Hi, this is Margaret Cho. Hi, this is Jim Short. I, did, I missed my cue there. No, you did it. You did, it was perfect. Just, it was perfect. Yeah. Welcome. You just never know. You're like, uh, but, but, can I speak? Yeah. Okay, yeah, right. You got right. it. Um, we are uh, Monsters of Talk, and uh, welcome to our podcast. We're very excited today. We have a uh, special guest, our friend Ian Harvey. Hello. Ian Harvey is comedian, actor, activist, um, lots of different things. I mean, you have you're sort of one of those uh, multi hyphenated uh, performers, also. So, what else do you think there is there? Uh, I'm kind of good looking. Um, model. <laughs> model, 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 model. That has to be slash model. That's not a hyphen. Slash model. Yeah, yeah. slash model. It's a slash yeah. model. I like it when. Um, when people are asked and they actually answer with like actor slash model. Yeah. They say slash. They in visualize there. Yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. I like it when people to do make that. it cool. Yeah, I like that. I like slash better. Yeah. Yeah. yeah slash model. Mm-hmm. Slash model would be a great band name. Yeah. Slash model. <laughs> <laughs> at, at Coachella this, this year, right? Yeah. Only if you introduce them, though. I, yeah. I think I should have that gig. Please welcome slash model. <laughs> I think female model is really hard. I think a female modeling is hard on its own because you have a lot of other things you have to deal with. But actually, the men in modeling have it the worst off because they make the least amount of money. And, um, you know, it's very, very competitive and it's very difficult. I could never do it. I have I have like not the the body or the will or the uh, to work out or any of that. I have like such a computer body. Like, what do you mean? Like, what's I what's have, a computer like, body? Like I am constantly on my computer, slouched over, like, and just have like the three rolls underneath my chest, you know. That, oh no, you know, that's not from, no. Yeah, no. I have a computer body. I've been really working on my computer body. <laughs> you're a you're a slash computer body model. <laughs> yeah, I could be a hand model maybe, but that's about it. So well, anyway. but it's 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 nice to have you on, and we're, we're here, and um, you know, this is our our third podcast. We we we've done super. Well, monsters of we are talk. the monsters of talk. It's so awesome. It's so it is good. awesome. You yeah. know, I mean, it, you know, we just wanted to have a place to kind of come together and, you know, talk about different things, talk about comedy. And, you know, so we're all comedians. Everybody's been on being comedian. And I don't know if we'll have only comedians on. We'll have other, other people, too. But you do a lot of other things. You don't just do comedy. You do like, you know, lots of just activism and lots of talking about, you know, uh, gay stuff, LGBT I, stuff. Yeah, I talk at colleges. Um, I, and mostly my, my shtick is that I'm trans. So I go to colleges and I do a combo of comedy and talk where I just share, you know, how what my transition was like and what my family's like and how I came to know that um, that I was a dude and uh, that I was born female and that I, how I sort of learned that and what I figured out and how far I wanted to take that for myself. Mm -hmm. So, um, I do, I travel around doing that and, um, I travel around doing comedy and I probably wouldn't be doing a lot of what I was doing if I hadn't met you. So, Mm -hmm. which, um, has, you know, just helped me out tremendously. So, um, yeah, it's, it's really, it's really fun. Now, will you break down for Jim and I, um, trans like this is a very confusing thing for me because um like lots of people in the trans community serve uh they identify in different ways like they say they're transgender or they're transsexual or um it's it's always there it's a very specific um thing that they they sort of identify as what do you think about what do you think about yourself and what do you think about those labels um you know i like all labels i just think that there's not enough of them so bring on all the labels keep creating more but for me um I would say that, you know, I, I, when I first, first I just thought I was butch and, um, and that was okay for a while. And, but 
as I wanted to be more expansive in who I was, like I was just constantly seeking more about myself. So um, it wasn't just, and I don't mean to say just Butch as in, be, you know, making Butch sound little, but like I, I, I was more than that. And I was, it was more to me than that. And, um, and I really, I, I just knew that I was more masculine than uh, than I was presenting, and I wanted to sort of do that, and I wanted to, and it really was, you know, in the, in the very beginning, I thought that I was, you know, the only person who ever felt this way, and I start, I really thought sort of sort of separate myself from so many people in the beginning, um, and say that you know, thinking that uh, trans is like this really, you know, uh, rare thing, and that this oddity, and this, and that, and a now I don't feel that way at all. I feel like it's so normal and that everybody has these feelings. Nobody fucking feels fine about their body. Nobody does. And it's largely related to their gender. You know, it's one of those things that like in the beginning, I, I, you know, I didn't really ever feel totally alone about it. And that's because I have a, a great sort of loving family and support system. But there was moments in my transness that I felt alone with it. And then I just started to look around and go, holy shit, everybody's struggling with this stuff. And they're they're not using those labels, you know. The the women in in you know of Beverly Hills, the Real Housewives of Beverly Hills, who are getting breast augmentations to be more feminine, that uber over the top, super feminine, um, you know, appearance is really really trans. They just don't label it that. So we can call ourselves whatever we want, but we all have this incredibly shared experience of feeling fucked up in our bodies uh, more often than not. And if you don't, then you're the freak. So, um, I, so I just, uh, for me, I just decided that, um, it, it was really grinding away at me and, um, I just, I felt like I needed to make movement in being more masculine on the outside and I didn't really know how to do that. So I started researching it and I decided that going on testosterone was something that I wanted to do and I wanted chest surgery because I had huge, huge boobs and, uh, and, uh, so I started moving through this, this physical transformation and as I became more expansive with all of that stuff, I became more comfortable and I became, and I just started to align myself with everybody and rather than separate myself. And, um, I feel like a totally different human being than you probably met maybe in 2006 when we met, like mm -hmm. I was really sort of shut down and closed off and I wasn't very expansive at all. Like in my mind, I sort of knew what I wanted, but, um, but I, I've since, just sort of allowed myself, afforded myself to, to feel however I want about my gender and call it whatever I want. So for me, I call myself a man, but I don't call myself male. I, I think male is like a sciencey word and I'm not really into it. Um, I like trans. It kind of covers transsexual and transgender and I kind of don't, I, I feel like I fit into either of those. Like technically, sure, I'm a transsexual if you want to look up, you know, words like that in books. Transgender kind of feels like maybe I get to play a little bit more with my gender. Um, and that I get to sort of create that on a daily basis and where I am in the spectrum if I'm wearing flannel today with I am wearing flannel today like but also I have bright pink sneakers on you know mm -hmm. um, so I, I mean how I present every day I get to sort of play with that and I feel like that aligns more with the transgender sort of word and um and everybody's words are fine. In fact, make up more, you know? Well, so. the, you know, the, the um, pronoun thing, too, I think is important. Like, whenever you're um, transitioning, then, you know, there's a, there's a, a great amount of weight put on, um, well, I'm going to be called he now. 
as opposed to she. And then, um, you know, it's having uh, the world slowly start to recognize your your trans nature and that, 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 that you can use the pronouns. But then there's some people I know that do take it to a level that's a little bit uh, hard to remember. Like there's one... They. Um, there's, one, there's, there's a guy that he is not he or she, he's they. And so he that has to be referred to in the plural. And... Uh, it's, Which, if it's just if it's him, yeah. he's, he's got to be we. I and don't. And here's what I don't think. I don't know. It's I very don't, hard to make I reservation with him. By the way, this person <laughs> says, <laughs> "Yeah, I know. We we uh, uh, we don't know how many are in our group. It's just keep bring keep bringing chairs. Yeah, D- that's what they asked for. Yeah, that I'm already doing it. Yeah, they, they specifically asked. This person says, "Call me they." Yeah. Is that just somebody's narcissism getting in the way of yeah, the other? Yeah, because he's also like confusing he, they're, that they're, aspect they're of it. They are also a total asshole about it, you know. <laughs> and they're also like just just an. A- I mean, they're just right. a pain. Well, I mean, I think that you know what it is. It sounds to me like I can I can kind of get I get that they're an asshole for doing that, um, especially among friends because I don't you know I want to question do they really identify as a they and yeah. or are, are you really just trying to make people stop and feel uncomfortable and think constantly about how they're supposed to refer to you are you so important yeah. that we have to just spend so much time on what you're and I, I mean here's the thing you know like i don't think anybody has ever gotten my pronoun wrong or on purpose you mm-hmm. know like mm-hmm. no one has ever intentionally you know, actually, one person did when we were in an argument. You know, they were like, <laughs> you know, like, girl, you're, you know, you know, like, you know, like, it was, and it was actually kind of funny. But, um, <laughs> but it was, but I don't know. I just, it does, it seems really like self important. And it's like, I don't know. It's here. To be, sounds, yeah, yeah, to be they and we. Yeah. And it's just so much, so much goes into sort of thinking about it. And I mean, a, I mean, I, whatever. I, it's, I mean, people are going to hate me for this, but I, it's annoying. It, whatever. <laughs> it's annoying. It is. It's like one of those, like, I, I, I respect it and I'll probably fuck it up. And um, you're going to have to accept that, too. <laughs> like, you know, just as as well as, you know, we have to accept that you identify as a they, you know. Well, And, and especially I, I think there's like a, a probably a lot of people, too, who they don't mean any disrespect to someone else. It's just like sometimes, you know, like people just overcompensate. Mm-hmm. Not in the they situation, but in any situation, they go, well, I don't know what I say. So, you know what I mean? They end up being so overly sensitive that it might be offensive, right. whether they meant it or not, yeah. you know, because yeah. sometimes it's just like, how can I make you feel comfortable? But they don't even know really what to express because, and I think that's the beauty of what you do is that it's, you're going, Hey, I'm just me. I'm just mm-hmm. me. Look, you know, and especially I was going to wonder, like, as far as like your process, did doing stand up help that a lot by being able to get up in front of people and just not only talk to them, but but get your own story out? Yeah. I mean, I, I think that in the beginning it wasn't that easy because I was so afraid I was going to be eaten alive. And uh, and then it, and yeah, but it became a vehicle well, it became a vehicle for me to process my own shit on stage, but it also helped me learn how to say, tell my story to people in a way that they could understand, which is always, before even comedy, though, that, I, I'm a fucking Gemini. I'm an, I over-explain things. I'm not succinct. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not, I don't usually say things in a quick point and make a lot of sense. It usually takes me a while to sort of get to my point and to sort of get well, that, to that's, explain that. But that's that. okay because that's like stand-up comedies episode, that nature of explaining. That's the whole point mm. is and, that and you, you explain. Yeah, you're a Gemini, so you're a they. 
Yeah. <laughs> I am a they. You are That's they. true. Yeah. So, but yeah, I think that um, comedy and my the nature of my sort of storytelling tend to fit really well together. So, um, and I think I've found a way to talk about it. Like you said, that I'm just me and that it's not frightening to people. I'm not saying that trans people are frightening to people, but just the way I'm sharing it's It's inarguable. When you get up and share your story, it's your fucking story. Right. You know, you can't argue with that. So no one could possibly after the show say that was wrong or that mm -hmm. was messed up. Right. It's like, no, it's, it's not wrong. I just, it just is what it is. I am who I am. So, and that's inarguable. So. I think that's a lot of what the fear that people have fear, if that's even the word, until they know somebody, like you say, you know, that, that the word trans or whatever, people might have this. But then they meet you and they go, well, you're just a regular person. I think that's the thing about mm -hmm. everyone. It's just until you actually know someone or see that 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 image or that that role model or whatever you want to call it. Mm -hmm. It's just you just never you just that's I think that's the thing is like you just go, what what's the what's the problem? It's just another human being. Yeah, I think it gives people a frame of reference that they didn't have before, you know. And then I also think this is something that has happened that people who didn't know a trans person now feel like they know a trans person and that they get to correct others around them when they say something screwed up about trans people. They're like, no, 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 that's not how it is. I actually mm -hmm. kind of know one and that's not how it is. Like they become almost like these instant experts because they know one, you know? And yeah. I think that, that that's good. That's a really good thing. And we're not all alike, like you say. We all identify slightly differently, but we, the common thing is the shared experience thing. Like w all three of us here right now have this shared experience about feeling messed up in our bodies. And if we keep it sort of limited to that and keep the labels out of it when we're trying to connect, um, then we're going to find, you know, such beautiful common ground and shared feelings. So, mm -hmm. no, it's true. But it, in a sense, it is, um, it is everybody is trying on these different aspects of gender, whether it is, you know, wearing pants as opposed to a dress or makeup as opposed to not, or, you know, we all have like adopted gender as a kind of, um, signal to, to, kind of show who we are and it, it, it doesn't really mean um, anything beyond that than, than a, just a signal and and um, so it, it's like what I think what you're doing is you're showing um, how really it is just a, a, a matter uh, just a bunch of singles signals that just show whether you're a man or a woman or trans it's just these these signifiers but for for trans people for for especially for um your situation when you're you're um biologically female to male there are there are certain things that are a little bit more than than what other people would do like more than that it's more than like pants it is more that it's just like a sub process of for your journey it was like tea which is testosterone which you inject you still do that i do once a week mm -hmm. um and um the the effects of that were i would say near instant um like within a couple weeks you start seeing um, changes from from acne to voice sounding hoarse and for like it's really near instant yeah I still I just still do it once a week and if I were to go off of it um, it what happens is that all the things that it minus the I mean your facial hair stays your voice stays but a lot of the things that shifted like on your body like body fat or muscle mass and things like that your my features got more masculine more square um, and if I go off testosterone um, they go back to sort of that rounded, you know, feminine sort of stuff. And, uh, my menstrual cycle will come back and how long have uh, you gone without a menstrual cycle? Uh, it's been 
from the moment I started taking tea again. So uh, it was uh, five years ago in December. So I haven't had a mess. So lucky. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a, it's a friggin' it is awesome. That's amazing. It is awesome. It really is. It's one of the, it's one of the, I say, I say it's probably one of the best things about, um, you know, it, about being a trans guy, if you're on testosterone, that you get to not have a menstrual cycle anymore. You don't have to, you know, crinkle and crackle in the in the men's room, <laughs> you know, next to the guy in the stall next to you. You know, you don't have to, uh, you don't have to change up your shit in the in the men's room. Which see, is I good, could not so. imagine, I could not imagine not having that. You know, that is such a my menstrual cycle is such a huge part of my life, and I, it is such a weird thing to even think because now, you know, I'm like nearing the end of that too. You know, I'm, I'm yeah, probably. What is your cycle now because my cycle went before testosterone it's i it was probably about eight or nine days like started out like one day light and then super heavy heavy and then for like three or four days and then for the next four days i just could never i was like you know guessing that it was gone and then yeah. it wasn't i'd friggin' ruin a pair of underwear and then guessing it was gone and ruin ruining another pair of underwear like you know yeah mine is pretty much the same i mean i think everybody has degrees of it but mine is kind of like i it, it, it is a, a huge it takes up a lot of time and it takes it's yeah. not a huge um it's really consuming it, yeah it's not a it, huge amount of blood but it's a very it's a time it's on my mind it's a huge you know headspace suck you know, mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. it just, it, um, it's one of those things like you, even when you're not having it, you're waiting to have it. Yeah. You're constantly and you waiting it and you're waiting for it to go away. Yeah. So we're hoping yeah. that'll come. We're hoping it'll yeah. not come. And, and yeah. it's a kind it's a, it's a thing that really takes over my time in a way, but then there's, now there's levels of, um, surgery. Now you had top surgery. I did. And you I can had, explain what that is to Top surgery listeners. is just basically um, having my, um, some people say breast, some people say chest, I say chest, but um, have my chest flattened by um, what they call like a double incision. And they do like these sort of crescent moon shaped incisions right underneath the breast, probably where they would insert implants, but they just do this sort of crescent moon shaped incision. They take off your old nipples, they make new nipples out of your old nipples. And, um, and then they put them back on the right place and they just make, they take out all the breast tissue that would, um, you know, uh, allow you to, what is basically just, I'm guessing like a tit fat, I think is the technical word. Tit fat. But, um, (laughs) tit fat, they take out the tit fat and then, um, and anyway, but at first it's one of those, it's really jarring to, it was really jarring to look at it first because it's what I always wanted, but I also had these massive scars, which have now, you know, are really pale. You can barely see them now, but it was at the time, it was like this really jarring thing to look at yourself as the, in this scarred body, even though it's what I wanted. Um, and to also have these tiny nipples after having such massive nipples, like I, um, I was so large chested, like they were so huge. And I'm, I know lots of people are probably into that, but I was just not my jam. And it was, they were just, they were enormous and, um, probably the size of my palm, I would say, because I had grown, grown so big. But I, I remember looking in the mirror, taking off the bandages and thinking, um, that I felt a little bit like a monster for that, for that moment, like, Mm -hmm. um, a little Frankensteinish, a mm. little, um, you know, but also at the same time, like really happy and hopeful of what it might look like when I was fully healed. And um, I don't know, it was, it, it, but it probably was the most in my process for me. Testosterone was definitely part of it for me, but the part that released me from my head, the most thing was having my chest surgery. It was, we're just talking about headspace and periods taking up headspace. 
the, the thing that took up the majority of my headspace was every day I woke up and thought, how am I going to cover up my chest today? Like, how am I going to? And there was absolutely no way I could do it. Mm -hmm. So it just was constant. And it was a constant headspace thing that just I just kept thinking about and thinking about. And I could not get out of my friggin head. And um, went within a month after of having this surgery, I remember thinking, I'm not thinking about it anymore. It's mm -hmm. not consuming me every day. It's and it, I just had this tremendous amount of freedom in my head from this thing that I had had since probably the time I was 16. Um, and that so from 16 to 40, I thought about this every single day. And a month in after my surgery, I had this clarity and this, um, I don't know, like this, uh, like I almost like, you know, uh, I remember thinking I got I was excited and right now I feel like I'm gonna get upset for about it but it was like one of those things that I just couldn't believe that I finally had what I wanted I finally felt like I was who I was meant to be when I looked in the mirror physically and um, I just had that tremendous amount of headspace and I know that there I once in a while I have some guilt that I know that there are others out there that struggle with that same thing and that are consumed every day and that I have this freedom and they don't mm -hmm. and that there's a part of me that never wants to forget that. And there's a part of me that, you know, wants to be able to move on too mm -hmm. and um, move on and feel good. But also to remember that, you know, there's other people out there struggling with this exact same thing and have their headspace consumed. And anyway, but um, so that the, the chest surgery, my scars really lightened. I use this Mederma stuff on my scars and, and um, I really, I love my body in a way that I, I have never before. And I, uh, that is something that, and I don't fully love it. I'm not a hundred percent, but I, de you know, it's still, I mean, I, I know my chest isn't perfect. I know that not, none of me is perfect, but I do love myself more than I ever have. And that has translated into other things in my life. Like in my relationships with people, like I can be more present. I'm not thinking about how I'm going to cover up my tits, you know, like I'm, mm -hmm. I, I can be more present for people. I'm not looking through them with you know beyond them because i'm thinking about something on my body you know so you don't think that um do you don't think you'll have more stuff because sometimes um there's different levels of transitioning and the people um either stop at the t or they stop at top surgery and then i um heard of another friend of ours who was going to go to um, thailand and have his ovaries removed and um, have a full hysterectomy mm -hmm. but not in a way that um People would have it, I guess. Here, it it is like a more part of a gender reassignment thing, and I'm not I'm not really certain about how um, that level of it is done, or if they construct um, the same kinds of things as they do for like um, male to female. Is it? I, I don't know if the surgery is the same. Do you know if it's it's similar or is it? Um, I th okay, so I think that um, it, if your friend's having like full hysterectomy um, and they're having it done maybe a different way, it might be vaginal rather than yeah to have a to construct a vagina uh, no to construct a penis out of um oh, oh really i think it is that or is it is it something that you just continue to take tea and then you grow um you, you just continue right. to grow uh well what testosterone does and um one of the things that affects of testosterone is it does make the clitoris grow um it doesn't make it grow enormous it doesn't grow into perhaps like a, a full size sort of male penis, but it does make it grow usually considerably. And um, I have to say, like, I don't want to gross anybody out, but it's been fun because it's one of those things that um, 
my sex life, not only do I have this freedom, but I'm experiencing my bodies and my body in ways that I haven't before. And so um, that will that will grow on whoever whoever that person is and whatever their sort of body allows or their body type is. That will grow to a certain extent. Maybe it's an inch. Maybe it's two and a half. I have no idea. But it will be could be the beginning of or the base of someone constructing a penis later on, and that might be created from. And I'm some of this I've read about, and some of it at this point I'm guessing because I haven't read about it in a while, and I don't know the advancements of surgery. But sometimes they'll take the soft tissue of the inside of your arm or the inside of your thigh, and they will graft a penis out of that soft tissue. Mm-hmm. And they, I believe that they use the base, the base of your penis or your cock would be um, the like the clitoris that has grown larger, and that. Um, and so that anyway, they would they would um, and I mean, if people are genuinely interested and it, it's one of those things when I first Googled images about it, I was a little like uh, uh, jarred, like, oh, mm-hmm. uh, like, I don't know if I want this. And it was definitely something that was like, uh, you know, I had to kind of like stop and take a breath, like because I was it's not it was it's something that's surgical. That's you're, you're that I couldn't imagine the body, even though. And for me, just say, let me say this, like everybody's a little bit different back to that sort of topic that everybody desires something a little bit different. Some people really feel like that they, in order for them to feel okay in their bodies, they really want a penis. Mm -hmm. For me, I don't feel that way. I feel like I'm cool with what I have and I'm learning new ways to use it. And, and, um, our friend Buck Angel, um, I remember him saying a long time ago, and I can't believe that I now agree with him, (laughs) but at the time I was horrified when he said it. Um, cause so many people refer, so many trans guys refer to their, um, uh, female body parts, their lower half as useless mm-hmm. and they don't want to acknowledge them. They don't want to play with them. They don't want access to have people to have access to them. Even when they have chest surgery and they start to feel better, like that's still a, a lot of times a part of their body that's really off limits. Mm-hmm. And, um, I'm, I don't feel that way anymore. Like I'm feeling like, oh, you know what? Like I'm learning how to sort of. Um, explore my body in a way that I hadn't before. And when I remember when Buck said that, like, it's not useless. He said, it's not useless. You can use it. Yeah. I was like, ew. At the time, I was very adolescent about it. Like, like, ew. Almost as if it was, you know, somebody else's body that I, you know, wasn't interested in, like, uh, um, as an orientation thing to my own body. I was like, ew, no. Like, and now I'm like, oh, I get, I get what he means. And, and not, it may not happen for everybody, but it did happen for me. And I definitely feel like, I'm, you know, accessing. And so I'm okay with what I have because I'm learning how to use it. And I'm learning, um, I don't know, just learning that there's more to it than what I've been doing with it. So in a general way, I know that, that I know yeah. that sounds something to look forward to. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I know that sounds kind of vague, but you guys can probably figure it out. Um, so anyway, but, um, so I'm not sure what, which, you know, surgery your, your friends have. Well, it's, but... it, it, um, to be, I, I was just trying to compare like the advances between, um, the surgical procedures when you're talking about a male to female, uh, gender reassignment surgery it is quite advanced i think it's quite sophisticated but for female to male it the 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 techniques are not really completely there all of it sort of in the experimental stages it's true and and, in a general way it is much easier to sort of either as you know it's not even even in male to female surgery it's not taking something off what they've what they're doing is they're inverting a mm-hmm. penis. So, but the, the the sort of saying is, it's easier to take something off than it is to add something on, and the technology isn't 
maybe quite there yet. Like, for example, like if you graft, even if someone is a burn victim and you graft skin over an area of a burn area of their body, that skin that you graft over that area may not stick, may not stay. It may not take, so to speak. And when you're talking about grafting a penis, um, you risk that possibility too of that not be staying on your body and that's a major risk um to go through surgery and to go through all of that stuff and then what do you do if it doesn't and i'm not saying that that excuse me that that happens all the time because i don't think that it does but it is a risk it was a risk that my nipples weren't going to stay on mm -hmm. um the difference in surgeries are vast and i think that i don't know the the exact reason and history for that but it is easier to invert a penis and that that vagina then new vagina is actually orgasmic so mm -hmm. one of the other risks about i think from about having um uh, you know phalloplasty to have a penis constructed is that you may may not have an orgasm again that's a oh, major risk. yeah that's a major risk so yeah. there's uh, there's definitely a lot of like you know give and take it might be psychologically something very healing for you um but it also might be something that may not you know, function in the way that you hope. I mean, so it's, it's hard. It's really hard. It's, it's hard no matter who you are hard in a sense and not to say especially harder than anybody else's life, but it's just a different kind of hard. So, mm -hmm. um, but you know, there is something that I might be interested in down the road. Okay. Well, thanks Ian. That's really, really interesting. I mean, I'm, I'm really excited that, uh, that you came to talk with us and, and um, we've, we've got more. So we'll have Ian on for our next episode. And we've been Monsters of Talk. I'm Margaret Cho. I'm Jim Short. And thank you so much, Ian Harvey. Thank you, guys. And don't you know, Monsters of Talk has its own Twitter account. You can follow us at Monsters of Talk. And you can also send us questions, tweet us questions, um, maybe suggestions on who we should have as guests, and um, just anything you want to say. We are at Monsters of Talk.